0: As your desire to constantly improve yourself by using self-help resources actually become the thing, the crutch, that's holding you back? Stick around. We'll find out. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life. I'm Ken. This is The Ken Coleman Show. I think that uh, I am... I'm guilty of what we're going to talk about today, so let me just start off by saying I do this too much, and uh, so in, in in challenging to you today, I'm challenging myself, and here's what it is. I can get so fascinated by learning that I forget that I need to be doing. So I'm learning, 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 and it, boy, it's fun to learn, isn't it? It really is. And we live in a day and age where we've got so much learning at our fingertips. I I will tell you that I'm about two weeks into really experimenting on ChatGPT. GPT. I know some of you are laughing at me and you should laugh at me because I am a late adopter when it comes to a lot of technology. But I'm like really uh, playing around with it. Just testing stuff. It could be random. I love history. I love sports. Uh, I love reading biographies. Uh, I certainly love self-help stuff. I'm a a bit of a a self-help, I'm not going to say junkie. I used to be a junkie. And that's what we're talking about today. So let me just set the context really quick. We have more information than we've ever had before. Access to it and it's super easy. So if you didn't throw up at the at the idea of this, and I said, hey, you've got 15 minutes, I need to give a 15-minute talk on, and I threw a topic at you. So if you were okay with just, all right, I, I'm okay being in front of people, you could go on the ChatGPT, just that, forget Google, I can't even believe I'm saying this, and you could come up with some basic knowledge points, a couple of hacks, a couple of things to do, and you could fake your way through it, as if it was your information. That's how easy it is to grab information and use it. But self-help junkies, it's become like a badge of honor, but a true self-help junkie is always learning the next thing, buying the next ticket to the next event, watching the next YouTube video, and then the next YouTube video, and then the next YouTube video. And what happens is you get that dopamine rush, That comes from learning something new. You can talk about it. It's kind of impressive if you're always telling your friends, well, I read this and I learned this. But here's what happens. You become just like a true junkie addicted to the drug. And when the drug wears off, they got to get the next hit. So... Dopamine does spike in our brain when we get some new information that excites us. That 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 we it's a new idea, certainly a new smell. You know, you get excited about a, a good smelling uh, food or something like that. I mean, an experience. You go back to memory, so we get dopamine spikes all the time. And a lot of times, the newest thing, the newest technology. I know people. I I knew friends of mine that would literally be excited, jumping up and down for the next Steve Jobs announcement back in the day when he was alive and he would show up. I mean, these guys were very intelligent, very intelligent fellows, but they were just giddy. Okay, so when it comes to self-help, we learn, 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 we observe, 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 but here's what we don't do. We don't apply. We don't get busy with what we've learned. We love the fun of learning and talking about it and, and I'm again, I'm stepping on my own toes here because I'll read a new book, a new self-help book. I'm reading a book right now that I'm really into and I'll be revealing more on the show. And I in, in our production meetings the other day, I'm like, hey, I'm reading this book. Did you know that valedictorians, Valedictorians don't turn out to be the highest earners? I said this in the meeting, everybody's like, well, you know, and I could spout out another fact and another fact and another fact and something else. But if I don't turn it into something that's valuable for me or for people that I can contribute to, then essentially I am a junkie and I'm just getting a hit. So when you, you just idle, you know, you're just always learning, you're not doing anything. It's like going out on a boat at the lake. If you've ever been on it, you've got no idle zone. I mean, uh, no wake zone, so you got to idle. And it takes forever. You're on the back of the tube or you're on that jet ski or you're just on the boat and you're ready to go. And you just got to slow it down and you just sit and you wait. I think that's what's going on with a lot of you that feel stuck. You Your intentions are good. You set out to learn something. That is valuable to you. And what you do is is you get that high. Uh, We actually talk about this in the live event business where you'll go to an event or go to a conference and you'll sit there and listen to great speakers and they download some convicting stuff on you. They download some encouraging stuff on you. You get all hyped up and fired up while you're there. And then you get on the plane, you fly back home and now the rubber meets the road. Am I actually going to implement this into my life or implement this knowledge and wisdom into my company? And we see this, by the way, the data is out there, you can research yourself, that so few people do it. So what do they do? They remember how they felt at the conference and then they juxtapose that by how they felt when they realized they didn't do anything with it. And so you know what they do? They go, I got to go to the next event. And this time, This time, when I learn it, I'm going to do something. And here's what happens. It's a cycle. And so you get addicted to the learning, but you never get to the source of why you're not moving forward. And I'm just going to tell you, I'll break it down. It's fear, doubt, or pride. Fear is I'm worried that something bad is going to happen if I move. Doubt is I don't believe something will go something good, something optimistic, something that I want to happen will happen if I step out. And then pride says, I, I don't want to step out at all because I'm worried about what other people will say or think about me. So I really believe that those are the three enemies of progress, and they they manifest themselves in our mind as those voices. You're not good enough. You won't be able to pull this off. Or you will fail. The money, The company will lose money. Or your friends in the business are gonna say, this is ridiculous. And so, what happens is these voices of fear, doubt, and pride get our mind off of the desired future and they get us to focus on the worst possible outcomes. So, what do we do? Instead of addressing what's holding us back from taking action, what do we do? We sign up for the next course. We read the next book. We listen to the next podcast, which hypes us up, which is good, but it's worthless if we don't act on it. So here's the question. Is your metric for growth, now listen to this, folks. This is a two-part question. This gets right to the nitty-gritty. Is your metric for growth how much you learn, or is your metric for growth how much you do with what you learn? I'm going to say that again. As you look at yourself as a professional, a, a person, and by the way, this is personal growth and professional growth. This this lesson hits us in both places. Hey, I want to get better in my marriage. I want to talk differently to my wife. Whatever it is, I want to parent better. Whatever it is, is your metric for growth how much you're learning about the problem that you want to solve, or is your metric for growth how much you are doing to solve the problem? Coming up next, how to actually get over this hump from learning to doing don't move Hey folks, if you are enjoying this show, it is equipping you and encouraging you, and you are watching via YouTube, would you help us grow by liking the video you're watching, subscribing, and sharing? If you feel like there's somebody out there who needs the message that kind of has challenged you, then share. If you're listening via your favorite podcast app, would you give us a follow and also share? Uh, This helps us grow. You are the greatest marketing strategy of all time. And if you're enjoying the show, uh, please help us grow. We're growing, and that's because of you. Thank you. All right, so how do we get over the hump? How do we get over the hump from being a habitual serial learner but a spotty doer? A habitual learner but an inconsistent doer. I mean, this is the challenge before us all because all of us can fall into this trap because, man, it is so much easier to learn than it is to do. It's so much easier to understand than to execute. So I want to take you back to the very early days. I'm about 33 years of age. I am absolutely clear and absolutely confident that I'm supposed to pursue broadcasting. But if you don't know my story... I didn't go to college for broadcasting. I had never done any real broadcasting prior to this point. And I had been on one path towards uh, to to a life of politics, running for office, working in that frame. And I switched frames. It was like, that's not the frame. This is the frame. And I went through all the so Now Here I'm at. I'm at the point now where I've done the work to go, do I think I have what it takes? Yes, I do. Do I want to do this? Yes, I do. Am I willing to wait and suffer financially and all that? So I got to that point. Now here we are. I sign up for a broadcasting class. And I don't know what to expect. I'm 33 years of age. And so I sign up for this uh, 10-week broadcasting class in Atlanta, Georgia. It's called Complete Game Broadcasting. And it was a local television producer who was successful. And so he decided to start the class. Unwittingly, I signed up for the very first class. <laughs> I, I... I, I didn't know until I until I had put down my deposit and I went to meet with the guy to kind of go tell me more about this. How can I get the most out of this? And he goes, I got to tell you, Ken. He goes, you're the first person to sign for this class. And I almost threw it in my mouth. But then I, for whatever reason, after meeting with this guy for an hour, I thought, I knew he was legit. I looked him up. So he was legit and he wasn't a cuckoo guy. But I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. So, I know that I want to be a broadcaster, but I've got to learn. So I take the 10-week class, all right? Fast forward to the end of the class, okay? He says to all of the students, by the way, I was the only one in my 30s. Everybody else was in their 20s. Like, they were calling me sir, Kelly. Yeah, three weeks in before all the dudes in the class, or 10 of us, knew that I wasn't an instructor. They just looked at my age and thought, oh, he must be helping Jeff out. It's a true story. So here we go. We're done with the class, and he says to all of us, I've got an opportunity through one of my local radio stations that he owned, and we're going to do high school football play-by-play this fall. He goes, I can't pay you, but if you want to do it, we're going to broadcast – and we're going to put it online. We're not even going to air it. We may air it on a couple of station, another station Friday night, but it is online only. We will tell people about it. The local team and the visiting team will know about it and blah, 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 blah. So I I say I'm going to do it because I need to get some real experience. They were training us in sports broadcasting. It was a sports broadcasting class, but I just needed some, 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 some tech, uh, I mean, excuse me, some some uh cuts at the plate. So anyway, I started doing it. The very first Friday night, I was on the play-by-play, and I had this 21-year-old kid who was doing color commentary. And it was abysmal. I, I prepped as much as I could, but there's no way to get ready for that. You just got to do it. And so I showed up. I did my best. And, you know, I'm decent on a mic even back then. So I knew the players' names. I created my own spot board. It was like air traffic control. I was nervous. I don't know why because only two people were listening, the kid next to me and my wife at home because she's a good woman. But you would have thought it was the Super Bowl. I was so tight I couldn't have sat on a needle. All right? That's tight, by the way. I was nervous. And and, and it honestly, it sucked. It sucked. But I showed up the next week, and I did an entire season, and here's why that story matters as we talk about how do I get over this addiction to learning, and and I, I stop being this habitual learner and an inconsistent doer. The moral to the story is you've got to show up and do it. Now, there's three things that I can look back on, and folks, this is 20 years ago. I can look back on it now. And I can tell you that there were three things I got out of sucking at doing high school football. And you can get out of just trying something and sucking. The first is, I actually got some confidence. Week in and week out as I kept showing up, I I just wasn't as scared because it's kind of like you rip the Band-Aid off. I was getting better because Jeff would tell us after each uh, uh, broadcast, he would tell us the next Monday, he goes, here's some things that you did well. Here's what you need to do better. I mean, he was coaching us up. It was awesome. Okay? So I got some confidence because I realized I can actually do this, and I got better. And I got to the point where I could actually set it up well. And I could call the play because you have about a two- three-second delay on radio. The play's already happened. And I could say... All right, it's second down and 5 from the Patriots 25-yard line. Two receivers wide, one goes in motion and I begin to be able to slow down and I could catch up and I realized that I could be coherent. Now, now not good yet, but coherent. And I could do it. So my confidence grew. Now because my confidence grew, my competency grew. See, confidence allows me to stay with it long enough to where my competency now starts to catch up. (sighs) My pulse dropped. That's the confidence piece. Okay, I'm not as bad as I was last week. And so just simply showing back up because I had the confidence to stay with it, the competency then catches up. Cuts at the plate. You just get better. You realize that I got enough to stay with it, to then actually get better. But most of us quit when we try that first or second time and we don't embrace the suck. Now, embracing the suck is simple. It's a mindset of just saying, you know what? This is not going to be good. And I got to be okay realizing this is not going to be good. It's like riding a bike for the first time. As a kid, you don't pump yourself up and you're not in the corner going, I can do this. You're just a kid and you're scared to death and your mom and dad basically shame you into getting on that bike. And you just know inherently this is about to be rough. But you kept wrecking. You kept getting back up on the bike. And if you're like most kids, you go from terrified to one hand within a week, maybe no hands. It's the same concept. You have to take on fear and, and you go, what's the worst that can happen? Well, the worst that could happen in my situation is you sound awful and two people hear it. That's not bad. I'll take that. The doubt. I don't think I'm good enough. Again, what's the worst that can happen? So I never do high school football play by play again. That's I can live with that. Pride. What are people gonna say about me? Well, my buddies are going to razz me and say that might be the worst broadcasting I've ever heard in my life. Big deal. They razz me for everything else anyway. It's no big deal. So you start to walk through this. So confidence and confidence. Here's the last piece, the courage piece. See, courage is, is we when you get over the hump of the fear, the doubt, and the pride. Your confidence is there. Competence arrives. Now watch. You will now take on the next challenge. And let me tell you what the next challenge was. I go from high school football play-by-play to I actually got myself a meeting with a Comcast Sports Southeast, 14 states, regional network. I got a meeting with a producer, pitched this idea called Life is Sport, and said, hey, if you'll give me a shot, I'll produce five segments for you. She looked at me and said, I can't pay you. I said, no problem. And I went and produced five not-so-awful segments. Why? Because I had stepped out before, And I had that courage to go, I can overcome these things, the fear and the doubt. I can actually do it, and it's going to be okay. That's how we go from learning to do it. All right, welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, you were created to fill a unique role in your work. That means you are needed and you must do it. Somebody out there needs you to show up and be the best version of yourself. If you want to get beyond paycheck thinking and make really good money but make a great impact and watch the rest of your life improve because the one area that you spend the most time in doesn't suck the life out of you, I'm here to help. We have the Get Clear Assessment. It's a 15-minute assessment that I developed to help you measure the three elements of what I say is purposeful working, which is when I use what I do best, that's talent, to do work I love, that's passion, to produce results that motivate me and give me meaning, that's mission. When I'm spending most of my day doing that, I'm on purpose, and I'm not all stressed out. I'm not burned out. I'm not dragging a bunch of crap home to my family. So if you want that, the Get Clear assessment is for you. It'll measure all three of those areas, give you a purpose statement that is filled in with these top talents, top passions, and primary missional motivation. So there you go. Check it out, KenColeman.com slash assessment, KenColeman.com slash assessment. Time to coach somebody up. Ben is on the line in Columbus, Ohio. Ben, you're on the Ken Coleman Show.
1: Hey, Ken. How's it going?
0: I'm living the dream, Ben. What are you doing?
1: Good. Just uh, looking for some insight, honestly, Ken. So in a little uh, situation right now, so I've been in recruiting for the past four years, mostly customer service roles, and started following your show and following some of your advice on how someone should pursue their uh, passion and with their talents. And I took the Get Clear assessment. The results were pretty much on the money. and I even uh, confirmed it with people close to me. Only situation, or the only problem is that, okay, if I leave recruiting because I believe I'm using my talents, but I'm just not passionate about what I'm doing. So if I leave recruiting, I'm not sure what the next step would be. And any input and in advice would be helpful. Okay,
0: great. Well, first of all, we're not gonna leave recruiting until we have something to leave to. Okay. Correct. So mm-hmm. we're not there's no stress right now. There should be no anxiousness based on well, if I leave, well, we're not going to leave until we have found the next rung on the ladder or we are changing ladders. So it sounds like to sure. me the one thing you are clear on uh besides your, your, your what you do well, talent, what you love to do, passion, and what results motivate you, mission, uh you're clear on that cuz you got your purpose statement. You have it in front
1: of you by the way. Um not my purpose statement, but I do have like my talents, my passion, and All my right. mission. All right, we'll
0: we'll dig in. Yeah, that's what I mean. The purpose statement is just those top results, mm-hmm. okay? So here's the gotcha. thing. We'll get into that in a second, but one thing you are clear on is recruiting is not the ladder you want to be climbing, yes? Yeah. That's, All right. That's correct. Great. And I think what you're presenting to me is, is I think you have a couple of ideas, but you're not sure how to get there, or yeah. you just need a little extra confidence that you're not a victim of bad pizza. <laughs> yeah. True or false? Is it both? Do you know? Not sure how to get there. Yeah, I don't. Or is it you're not yeah, sure? You haven't. Sure you got some ideas, don't you?
1: Yeah, I have an idea of what I want to do. Tell me. Do what I want to jump in? Tell me. Okay, so uh, one of the fields from the Get Clear uh, assessment that it uh, suggested based on our results was actually um, a lot of them were similar, like advertising, marketing, and sales. Sales is one that um, I've been told by people who work in sales um, that I'm close with and also a friend in HR that they actually, I think I'd be good at it uh, with my skill set.
0: Well, do you? Um, hold on. I'm
1: not even sure what I would even sell.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. You're thinking too much. I need you to stop thinking and feel for the rest of our time together. Okay. Is that cool?
1: Meaning, yeah. here's what yeah. I want you to do.
0: I don't want you to edit any of your thoughts. I don't want you. Yeah. I just want you to tell me what your heart feels. All right? Okay. So does it make okay. you feel good when people tell you that, 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 that uh, you're good in sales? Does it make you feel good?
1: It makes me feel like there is something to the assessment based on the results. Yeah, like I, uh, you're, see, you're already thinking.
0: That question <laughs> was as simple as it gets, and that stumped you. Yeah,
1: it does. Make All right, so thank that you is, very much. I question. didn't ask yeah. you because
0: I needed to know the answer. I asked you because I needed you to say yeah. the answer. It feels good when people sure. say you would be good at this. Okay, that's great. Yes. Mm-hmm. But what really yeah. matters is, would you be excited selling something? And the, and, and, and the answer is you go, well, Ken, I don't know because you're sitting there going, I'm not sure what I would sell. And I don't think that's the right question. I think the question is would yeah. I enjoy being in a sales role and what would I enjoy about it? So the question is that yeah. would you enjoy selling? Yeah. Forget what it is, the yeah. selling process. You know what's involved. You've been sold to before.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Would you enjoy interacting with human beings? And providing them a solution to their problem or desire, yes or no? Yes. Okay, then. And your assessment results were what? You were talented. Your top three talents were
1: uh, communication, discernment, and justice. Okay.
0: Does a good salesperson need the talent of communication? Yes. I'm not going to wait for. So. I'm not yeah. going to wait for you to think through this anymore. <laughs> All right. Does a good salesperson need the talent of discernment to be able to read what's the real situation going on here? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Yes. Now, the talent of justice, this is new for a lot of people. I'm not going to break this down, but that just means you have a strong sense of right and wrong. True or false? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. true. So would that serve a salesperson, this idea of, you know what, I'm not going to cut corners, I'm not going to sell them something that's not right for them, and, you know, I'm going to probably end up really scoring high results with people because of their levels of trust, mm-hmm. I'll tell them the truth. Would that serve a salesperson, yes or no? The answer is yes.
1: Well, definitely. Okay,
0: good. Yeah. Okay, good. I got you to stop thinking for a second. <laughs> so what were your top three passion results, work you enjoy doing?
1: Yeah, um, leading, promoting, and teaching.
0: Great. Leading, promoting, teaching. Leading is all about influence. Teaching Mm -hmm. is about instruction. Okay? And what was the other one? Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Leading, promoting, and teaching. Great. Promoting. So
0: promoting is, I'm an evangelist. I I like talking about giving lift to people, places, things, ideas that I believe in. True or false about you. That's That's who you are. True. Great. Now, what's your top missional result? What The result that really motivates you. You don't even have to think about getting out of bed. If I'm doing this all day long, what is it? Creation. Creation. Now, therein lies where you're going to get the ideas for what you're selling. You're a very creative mind and creative thinker, yes? Yes. Okay, great. I think you're looking at things that you enjoy buying, things that you enjoy using, because now you Mm. can get that. That evangelical, missional, like, I'm a preacher, missionary for this thing because I buy it, Mm -hmm. I use it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Now, the other thing I'm going to challenge you with, and I'm not going to make you answer it on the air because I'm afraid you'll think too hard, but I'm going to give you this as your homework (laughs) assignment. You ready? I want you to, you got something to write with? Yeah. Okay. I want you to answer these three questions every day for the next 10 days, and I don't mind if the answer changes. I want you to answer these three questions. Who are the people I most want to help? That's question one. Who are the people I most want to help? And you begin to envision them. Think about it. Let your mind run here. There's no right or wrong answer. Just start writing down what goes through the mind. This is a powerful exercise. This gets us out of this uh, uh, paralysis by analysis stuff. Now, the second question Mm -hmm. is, what is the problem they have or desire that they have so what is the problem or desire that those people have now this should come to you pretty quickly because when we begin to say who are the people i want to help you could say i want to help people who are dealing with uh, uh, with this with this struggle they're dealing with chronic pain i want to help them or it could be anything but we begin to see what our heart pulls up to our head based on our environment and our experience okay so hey i want to sell cars great why? I've always loved cars. I want to get I want to help everybody from from someone who in the help business. I want to sell a good used car to a single mom because it's her livelihood. Great. I want to yeah. sell high performance cars to people who have a lot of money and they want to reach their dream and and, and have a a childhood fantasy come true. Great. One's a problem, yeah. one's a desire. One's a problem, one's a desire. Honorable mm-hmm. work. Last question. First question, people I want to help, problem or desire they have. Third question, solution to that problem or desire that I get most jacked about. So do you want to sell You want to sell paint schemes? You want to sell wraps on cars? You want to sell engine parts? What is it? People I want to help, problem or desire they have, solution to that problem or desire that fires me up. Folks, I don't care if you're in sales or anything, you want to know what ideas come from? those questions this is the ken coleman show press on thanks for listening to the ken coleman show for more you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on youtube you can also find ken across all social media by following at ken coleman